Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Redskins Brawl Podcast, brought to you by the Brawl Network. I'm your host, Parker Hamlet, joined alongside former Redskins tight end Garrett Hudson and everyone's favorite hoagie, Chris Fowler. So, um, beautiful day outside. Um, glad we could get Chris to corral in his car and Garrett to jump out the pool. Um, how are you guys' weeks, man? It's been a, it's been another long week of this coronavirus stuff. I finally went to a restaurant this week, which was awesome. Um, a little bit weird, but nice to get out of the house and go get some food and not have to cook everything or eat fast food. So that was nice. What about you guys? Yeah, man, I um I actually spent the last week at the beach. Just got back today at uh, about 2 o'clock. Um, so I'm kind of in my uh, post-vacation blues a little bit. But it was a really good week, man. We ate good. We, we played hard. And it was it was a really fun week for me. God, you guys are just living it up, man. You guys are having great, amazing weeks. And I'm just sitting at the home. I'm basically sitting at home dog-sitting girlfriends at a bridal shower today. Um, where'd you go, Chris? OBX? No, we went to uh, Sandbridge, Virginia Beach. Oh, God. That place is gorgeous, man. But, yeah, it's funny you say that, Garrett. I actually saw a meme that says, y'all are risking COVID for some Applebee's. <laughs> I didn't, I'm pretty sure you didn't eat Applebee's, but that's definitely something I thought was kind of funny. Where'd you, where'd mean, you end up eating at? I had Carolina Ale House, which I don't know if they have in Virginia or not, but um, it's pretty close to Applebee's, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> did you wear a mask? I did not wear a mask. It would have been hard to get the food in my mouth. Exactly. I don't know how people expect that to happen. I mean, I have to wear one when I get my hair cut, and that's a hell of annoying, and I'm kind of worried about how my hair is going to look afterwards, especially if they don't lift it up properly. But yeah, I, I wear one where they make me wear one, but I end up taking one off. A lot of people, you'd be surprised, really aren't taking the whole mask thing very seriously either. So Yeah, I wear my. So I, I've been doing PT for my wrist. I wear mine to PT. Um, I'll wear mine to the grocery store if I'm going when it's busy. But I mean, I... I don't, it's to the point where, like, I think more people are getting it, but less people are dying from it. Now, I'm not a doctor or a scientist or anything, so, you know, take take that as you will. But I've been kind of keeping up with the stats, and it kind of seems like the more testing we've been having and the more we've been opening stuff up, yeah, a lot more people have been getting it. But the, that percentage of deaths from it have started to go down. I think that, um, you know, has to do with, you know, just kind of the nature of the virus in itself and then also our our hospitals and stuff are more equipped to take care of it. They've got the PPE, they've got the, you know, their, their steps down where when someone comes in, they have the virus, they do this, they do this, you know, they know what they're doing. So I think we are, we're not, we're not close to the end of it, but I think we're kind of seeing the light at the end of the tunnel where we're going to start to get back to normal here pretty soon. And we kind of know our game plan for it. Hopefully that's, you know, me, someone who has no idea what they're talking about. That's the way I'm looking at it at least. (laughs) I mean, yeah, it, it is kind of weird to see it kind of normalizing and stabilizing in a way. You know, I, I mean, you know, then you have sports, you know, we really 
like you said, we're, we're kind of starting to see the light in the tunnel here, but it's really, there's no like certainties in any of this either. So, but anyway, got kind of, got kind of sidetracked there. Um, so today on Redskins Brawl, our topics are the weekly pressures by Ron Rivera and other members of the Redskins, uh, change the name and all decade defense, which I feel like will be a lot easier than all decade offense for sure. And then we'll cap off the episode with our Redskins roulette, uh, weekly questions. So, uh, Chris, any comments, anything you took away from Ron Rivera's press conference when uh, you know he was interviewed by the media this week? Anything that stuck out to you? Yeah, I mean, a lot of stuff doesn't really pop just because not, not a whole lot's been going on, and we all know that. But I think the big um, storyline lately has been the whole Antonio Brown, um, you know, practicing with Dwayne Haskins, that whole fiasco. Uh, I was really surprised that someone even brought it up to him because I just thought it was just a Twitter thing that we were playing around with a little bit. But honestly, a, a reporter brought this question up to Rivera. And I was a little surprised that Rivera didn't necessarily shut it down. He didn't give it a whole lot of light either. Um, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was definitely uh, riding the fence as much as you can on a possible question. I don't know if you guys saw that comment, but I'm more than happy to hear y'all's takes on it. But I thought Rivera was really trying to ride the fence hard on it. Yeah, I think um, the way I read into it, I think his exact comment was something like, uh, we want to see what we have in our receiver room now. Like bringing in a vet like that doesn't really do much for us because we think we have talent, but we want to make sure. Um, what I, you know, the re- the relationship with the Redskins and Antonio Brown, as I see it right now, is, you know, this is the scenario where we sign him. We are ten weeks into the season, eight weeks in the season, something like that. We're running the ball good. We're playing good defense. Dwayne's making good decisions, but we're not getting big plays out of our receivers. Let's say we've won. You know, we're 10 weeks, 10 weeks in the season. We've won six games. You know, if we really play well the last six weeks, we can win, this, we can win, uh, you know, win a couple more games, get into the playoffs. I think you sign them there. If your receivers, you give your receivers that are young 10 weeks to prove what they got, you know, it doesn't seem like they got it. Maybe then you sign them, but I think I like where he's coming from. Um, you know, there's some talent on the team. They're kind of in a rebuild year. I think it would surprise people if they were in the run for the playoffs halfway through the season. So if that were the case, yeah, make yourself better. Give yourself a chance. Um, but, you know, if they're where we think we're going to be in, you know, halfway through the season, they've won, you know, two, three, four games. Um, you know, let those young guys develop. Let those young guys get those reps and kind of build that chemistry for the future, which is kind of where this where this organization is going as of right now. And, I mean, you can't be mad at Rivera for having that stance. You know, his exact uh, quote, I think, was, if you bring in a veteran right now, you're going to stunt the growth of somebody young. we got a lot of young guys, wide receiver, that have shown potential over the last season and now into the offseason. We haven't really had a chance to watch them, which, I mean, he's completely right. You know, you brought in Antonio Gainey-Golden in the draft. Yeah, Kelvin Harmon has shined a lot late last season. Terry McLaurin, I mean, I don't have to say much about him. You already know. You know, Steven Sims is a guy in the slot that, you know, really it has a chance to be just a dynamic threat for the Redskins offense this year. So, I mean, like, like Garrett said, I think the situation with A.B. was always going to be someone's going to pick him up kind of later into the season and kind of see, you know, if he can come in and kind of help kind of a stagnant offense that needs that deep, you know, deep threat ability. I think that was always going to be A.B.'s role, and I don't think A.B. is going to be mad about it. I definitely feel like wherever he goes, he's going to make an immediate impact. But, you know, I, like I said, can't fault Rivera for having that approach. I mean, a lot of teams try to win via free agency, and it's good to see a team kind of take a different route and, you know, invest in the young guys and give the younger guys a chance. So some other topics that came up during the presser and just throughout the, you know, throughout the week in Redskins media is the, the name change. You know, everybody knows the current state of the country and um, racial tensions at an all-time high, and uh, the Redskins name's always been a controversial topic. You know, I showed up at the Redskins uh, training camp every year, and there's always people outside with signs that said change the name. Uh, I'll, I'll go to you first, Garrett. Um, what, what is your overall opinion on the name change? Do you feel like it's necessary, especially at this point in our country, or what, what's your overall take? 
Yeah, I think um, obviously it's very different. You know, um, I feel like uh, Native Americans, and obviously, again, like my comment with COVID, I don't know what I'm talking about. So this is this is an opinion, and it's worth what you paid for it. But um, <laughs> I think they obviously very early on in our country, Native Americans were treated terribly, like you know, very very bad. Um, their land was stolen. They were you know brutally murdered. Um, right now, I think where our country is focused on is uh, black people, African Americans, and trying to, you know, right that. And I think we're kind of taking it one step at a time. So I don't know if this is in the forefront of the news right now or not. I haven't seen as much about it. Um, but if it's something that people are that are are you know petitioning on and and, and you know hoping will change, I think I, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, it's. You can't take away the years that they were the Redskins, you know, no matter just like you couldn't take away Reggie Bush's Heisman. You know, it's always you're always going to have those memories. Um, but I think, you know, there's a couple of, of names I've seen tossed around. Um, you know, you can just call them the Skins, which uh, kind of leaves that, you know, everyone just calls them the Skins anyway. I feel like um, it kind of goes off of like the, the Hogs thing that, you know, back in the back in the day with the offensive line. Um, kind of pig skin, red skin, it's just the skins. Um, you know, a good example I, ha- I have from college experiences is, is William & Mary. They were always the tribe, um, which was, you know, a, a Native American tribe. And for whatever reason, they switched to the Phoenix as their primary mascot and their and their name. I believe, I think that's what it is. I'm not even sure because their, their helmets still say tribe on it. <laughs> and, you know, everyone still calls them the tribe, but... Um, you know, there's no uh, offensive imagery in their in their branding and their logos. I think even if the Redskins don't change their name, we're probably going to get away from the, you know, the Native American head on the helmets. I think we'll probably switch back to the spear or the the, cur- the cursive R. Yeah, something like that that we've done in the past. Um, I think in the next couple of years, we're probably shifting back to but I mean, if you go with a name like the Skins or the Braves or um, even, you know, this isn't a great football name, but like the Natives, um, you can kind of keep some of the tradition that's been around it without having the the Redskins name. I, I feel like the the problem is not using the Native American imagery. It's just the fact that I think Redskins is just an insensitive term. Um, Absolutely. You know, it's like. It's 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 a racial slur uh, from what I've what I understand. So, um, you know, whether you change the name or you tra- you change the the imagery with the logos and the branding, I think something something needs to be done. I don't think we need to overhaul the whole thing because it is one of the you know the more his- historical and and story franchises in the NFL. So, it's it's going to be a tough task for whoever's assigned to do that. But I do think that you know something probably needs to be done here in the next year year two years somewhere well, around Chris- there. Well, Chris, do you feel like changing the name would kind of tarnish the legacy in a way? Or, I mean, what are your initial thoughts when people discuss changing the name? Yeah, I mean, I don't feel like the legacy can be tarnished because the leg- legacy will always remain there. Um, I, th- I think, for one, uh, Dan Snyder always going back on the point that he will never change the name as long as he owns the team. He will never change the name as long as he owns the team. And he has stuck by that for as long as, as, long as he has owned the team. Um, but it's going to be interesting having a perspective from Ron Rivera, uh, who I don't know his you know exact uh, ethnicity, but I, I, he obviously comes from like a minority descent. And him coming in here, he definitely has a strong mindset about things. He definitely has a good outlook 
on a lot of different things. And um, I think Snyder respects Rivera a lot. And uh, if it becomes an issue in Rivera's eyes, I'm sure he will definitely uh, seek out um, some you know, different options with Dan Snyder. Obviously, that's not his biggest concern right now, coming in with the whole coronavirus case, his first year's um, head coach, um, and everything he has to do with this team. But I think if, if it's really something that, you know, Rivera uh, has an issue with, he'll, he, I mean, we could possibly be the closest we've ever seen to a name change um, ever in, in the Ron Rivera era. Uh, personally, I think the name has really been – uh, loosely used just because the fact that we all associate it with a football team now and not a racial slur. And I mean, for me personally, it, it, it has, it carries no weight as a racial slur, but that doesn't mean it's not offensive to, to people out there. And I've seen things that have said that, you know, uh, you know, a large percentage of native Americans appreciate the Redskins name because of it representing their culture, but I think we can definitely do a better job on how we represent their culture and, and, and their race and their ethnicity um, in, in a better way than what was deemed a racial slur um, back in the days and what should be pretty much deemed that now as well. I mean, I definitely don't see the name getting changed anytime soon. I, I do agree with you when you say that if there was a time for it to happen, it, it would definitely be now. But I mean, you know, I mean, to me, it's just a minor alteration. I mean, if you're a red, lifelong Redskins fan, how, how is that going to bother you, man? You know, I mean, yeah, I've got all this merchandise that says Redskins, Redskins, Redskins. But I mean, you got people on Twitter. I think it was at Stay Brazy. He um, made a uh, Red Spears concept. It had the uh, spear on the helmet. Um, I think it was gold jerseys, uh, gold pants, with, like burgundy stripes. And I mean, it looked amazing, dude. Like Garrett said, you can kind of implicate those older you know designs and throw them on there and they look amazing i mean you know like even with the color rush man i mean we've we've just been so dated with just our representation you go to redskins park i mean the building has been renovated since the 80s so i definitely hope that you know rivera takes a look at it and they have those discussions and amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals from courses to help you attain or retain certification to individualized coaching services to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen management concepts optimizes your professional development online in person individually or groups it's training that's measurably better learn more at managementconcepts.com that's managementconcepts.com I mean, and if it gets enough steam behind it, definitely never say never. I mean, especially in today's day and time, man. I mean, like like we said, you know, it may not have as much weight with us, but it's definitely offensive to a lot of other people. And I, I'm definitely open to a name change. I mean, I always think change is good. I, I mean, look good, feel good, play good. And a lot of these, you know, suggestions and alternates I've seen floating across the Internet it definitely look really good. So I, I'm definitely I, – I'm not going to say I'm pro-name change. I, I think I'm very neutral. I want to maintain that legacy that you have with the Redskins name, but I also don't think that you would just completely shatter it if you were to repackage the, you know, the team and, and move forward in a different identity, a different name. And like I said, I, I like the Red Spears, the Warriors. I mean, you can really change it to whatever, and I like it. Like I said, I think change is good. We're entering a new decade, you know, a new era with a new head coach. I, I'm definitely not in opposition to change. So I think I can speak for all of us when I say that. So yeah, I yeah. think just to summarize, we're all kind of on the same page. Where I don't think any of us are gonna are gonna stop watching the Redskins if they change their name, right? We're we're not like the, the yeah, crazy exactly. people on Twitter who aren't gonna watch the NFL if they continue to kneel or anything like that. Um, I think most likely what we're gonna see is 
some sort of rebranding with the logos and the uniforms while keeping the Redskins name, but kind of getting rid of that logo with the Native American face on it, or the opposite of that, where we kind of keep it the same, but we change the name to a less offensive Native American term, like maybe the Braves or the Warriors or something like that. I think, you know, a small change like that will go a long way. And this definitely shouldn't be the narrative on this team for the last 20 years, 20 plus years at that more than likely. I mean, what's it really going to hurt? I mean, I think, you know, I I can't lie and say that I wouldn't be upset if there comes a name change because, you know, I'm a lifelong uh, fan of the Redskins and the Redskins has been a term that's been coined um, you know, from my fandomness of this team, but what's it really going to hurt versus how it's hurting and impacting other people now? I, I just think it's kind of like a, a simple thing that can be done um, to, to avoid just the constant narrative of, you know, is this term racist? You know, just just make make the switch, make the change. It's really not that big of a deal. It's not, and I think people should make it out to be a, be, be a big deal. And, you know, if we're heading towards a direction in our country where we're open and listening to others about racism and trying to progress, I feel like, you know, having that discussion about the Redskins name change definitely isn't a bad thing. I mean, you got most media outlets. I think Adam Schefter, he calls us Washington. He refuses to say Redskins. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that really, you know, kind of view us Max in a lower – go ahead. Max Kellerman is the same way on first take. He yeah. Say Redskins. We'll not say Redskins at all. So well, you got PFT commenter that calls us the R words. Oh man, <laughs> I, I did not know that. Yeah, Washington yeah. R words. It may not be a big deal to us Redskins fans, but I think it's a small sacrifice all of us here at Redskins Raw will be willing to make in order to show progression in today's day. So, but last week we discussed our all-decade uh, offense uh, for uh, 2010s. Uh, kind of a, it was kind of a lot of just us agreeing with each other. Um. I think we're all definitely looking forward more to this week for sure. So this week we'll be discussing the 2010s all-decade defense for the Redskins. Um, so that'll be left end, right end, defensive tackle, middle linebacker, everybody across the board for the year 2010 through 2020. So um, where do you guys want to start? I, I actually think there's a lot of toss-ups in this. Yeah, let's just go ahead and, and clear the air here. We had a lot of trouble between the three of us off air about personnel I guess if you will whether we were going to use 4-3 or 3-4 and obviously they've been a 3-4 team for most of the decade so I think that's kind of where we all sort of went um, but I think looking at this list the list that I've put together and, and spending I, you know I spent a good amount of time on it um, it's I mean when you look at the offensive list it's it's a little bit more impressive than this one to be honest I think if you look at this all decade uh, defense list uh, there's no no wonder that they've lost quite a few games in the last 10 years because, you know, there's there's some fan favorites and there's some good guys on here. But, like, I think if you put this, this all-decade team defense on the field against the Kansas City Chiefs, they're getting 50 put on their heads, which is insane. I don't know if there's any other franchise where you could say that. So, hopefully, you know, the defense that we have – for the next 10 years is a lot better and you know when we look back on it we'll look back on it a little bit more fondly yeah and, and going off of that too like our offensive team from last week you can you can pretty much take out the year 2012 and we're, we're back to the same i mean that whole team that we picked last week was on, basically on the 2012 team so yeah you take out the year 2012 you know you're looking at offense that can't put up any points still yeah, I mean, it's Rex Grossman-led teams, John Beck-led teams. I mean, it, it got messy. And, you know, like Garrett said, man, a lot of those units they put on the field, you know, 
during this entire decade. You know, maybe they were household names for us because we were Redskins fans. But I mean, you compare them to, to other people around the league, and maybe they're not. You know, I mean, a guy that I'm just going to come out the gate and say that I looked at his stats and they really weren't all that impressive to me was, I mean, and, and he's a fan favorite, locker room leader, Jonathan Allen. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I love Jonathan Allen. I think he's a great guy. You know, really glad when we took him. You know, there's a lot of medical issues coming out the draft, and he kind of fell to us, and I was very happy to have him on board. But, I mean, you look at his stats. I mean, he's not exactly, you know, an Aaron Donald, if you will, you know. Yeah, for sure. I think – and I had a hard time not putting just all of the D linemen that are on the team right now on the, <laughs> Same. On the defense team. <laughs> Same. Um, you know, their interior D line has not been a specialty for us. So, I guess – I'll get started with – we'll start with D-line. I'll get started with mine. Um, I think Matt Ioannidis and John Allen at DN have been very solid in their time they've been with the team. I think they deserve to be there. Um, I had a little bit of trouble with, like, my defensive tackle, nose guard type guy. Um, I want to put Payne there. I feel like his stats haven't been, like, insane, but I think he's been really disruptive. And, you know, you see guys like John Bostic and Cole Holcomb making a ton of tackles last year. I think a lot of that's in part to – you know, Payne being able to take up blockers and be disruptive in the middle. Um, I also thought about putting Chris Baker there. Um, I saw we had a little interaction with him on Twitter today. Oh, yeah. Big Bay. Shout out to Chris. <laughs> but um, I, I'm going to go with Barry Cofield to round out my, my front three of the defensive line. Um, I think just as far as, like, uh, being just a, a solid starter and being consistent, um, you know, and, and just kind of trying to avoid putting – everybody from the same like three years on the list i think i'm gonna go with barry cofield well i mean to me that's when i I asked the question and we kind of talked about this last week you know is one good season like comparable to like a solid five-year career like with the kirk and rg3 comparison do we go with people that just were really solid while they were here or the people that just absolutely burned the house down while they were here you know it's Mm -hmm. kind of it kind of makes making the list really hard what about your defensive line chris who you got um i i kind of you know, I was, I was tossing up some kind of some of the same names as um as Garrett was. Uh, it he it really threw most of them out there. I don't know if I can add any more. I will say that uh the time of Chris Baker and Ricky Jean Francois. I'm not saying they're all. Oh, you beat me to it. I'm not saying they're all decade team material, but I really did like that combination. I feel like they they got in there. They they always got a lot of penetration and was was always eating. Eating some big snacks, man. They were always them <laughs> big boys. They were always in there. We always had kind of a rotation at defensive tackle. It's been always kind of a revolving door. I, I don't blame Garrett for picking Cofield at all. I mean, he was definitely the most consistent of all the starters. I think we're going to get kind of a similar name of safety later. But, I mean, I've got a lot of the same on my list. i got Jonathan Allen, Matthew Ioannidis. I definitely think my Matthew Ioannidis is the better of the two. At defensive tackle, man, I, I just I got to put pain. I know a lot of people are going to say it's too early. And later on, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. But – I just think Payne, I mean, even though his statistics aren't there, I mean, he's a defensive tackle. I mean, all he's got to do is disrupt and just absolutely destroying the run game. And, I mean, he's he's making a name for himself right there. You know, like I said, Jonathan Allen's numbers really weren't impressing me that much. I got kind of annoyed in the Chicago game this season when he was talking about accountability. I'm like, look, man, you're not Defensive Player of the Year by any means. I, 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 on the other side, you know, you got Matthew Ioannidis, who just leads by example, kind of a later-round draft pick and has absolutely balled out every given opportunity. I know he, he's had the most sacks out of all of them over the last couple of seasons. So I think it's a solid lineup. I really don't blame you, though, Garrett, for not – for, for trying to not pick all the guys that were just, you know, recent Redskins. And, and like we said, shout out to Chris Baker. I mean, he was a guy that 2015, he was kind of the voice of the defense. Um, 
he fought really hard. You know, he was an undrafted guy, you know, came on the team, signed. He's kind of journeyed around the NFL, but, you know, he, he's always had a special place for the Redskins in his heart, and you can see that from where he reads Chris on the page. So, uh, I think the position we should go to next is linebacker. I think that's another juicy one. <laughs> I mean, left outside linebacker, I mean, it's, it's common sense. 90.5 sacks. I think he's been the defensive player of the decade for us, Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, sure. dude, dude carries himself like a true pro, going to retire Redskin. And and something he said this week that I was very, very keen on is when he said that, you know, I'm not the focal point of the Redskins defense anymore, and, and that's okay. So I got Kerrigan left outside. Right outside was a lot harder than I thought. What did you go with, Garrett? Brian Arakpo. Yeah, I can't argue that. Yeah. I mean, um, obviously, you know, we've got some, you know, su- Sweat was pretty good last year. If he had had like a – like an all defense, like all rookie defensive team type year, had a couple more sacks. You know, maybe you can make the argument, but I think Arakpo was just a stud for a couple of years while he was in Washington. You know, another guy you can make an argument for is Preston Smith as well. I mm-hmm. mean, not his. I looked, I put his numbers and Arakpo's beside each other because I actually thought it was going to be a lot closer than it was. And but Arakpo kind of beat he, Arakpo always had a couple more sacks here than him. And yeah. You know, there was a lot of times where I kind of watched Rackbo, and I really didn't think he was making that much of an impact. But recently, I kind of dived in on his film and watched him, man. He was the uh, drafted by the team 2009. For some reason, I always thought he got here after Kerrigan, but no, he was here before. Um, but, I mean, dude was just an immediate problem. Went over to teen- Tennessee, had a pretty solid end to his career. Uh, he actually only had two seasons where he didn't have damn near double-digit sacks, 2012, 2014 being the outlier. Chris, who'd you have right outside linebacker? Yeah, man, I had a Rackbo on the right and Kerrigan on the left. I, ju- I just think that's probably the easiest part of this defense to figure out. I mean, Kerrigan, on the one hand, is probably one of the only players we have on either side of the ball in this all-decade team that's really been here, like, all decade long. And a yeah. Iron Man, too. I mean, not just playing every year, but playing every single game every single year. Up until this last year, I believe. I mean, the dude has just been an absolute workhorse. And people can say what they want to about, you know, if he's deteriorating, if he's falling off. I mean, maybe so, but the guy has put in some work. And, and has put in some, you know, monster days in his time as a Redskin. And I think, for that matter, he could be at the top of this list on the uh, on the all-decade de- all defense team. And on the other side, Brian Rackford, man, those couple, two years, two, three years when, when he was just going off, I, di- I don't know if there was many other players in the league better than him at the time. I mean, he was just, you know, wrecking shop day in and day out. And it was unfortunate kind of how he – you know, uh, ended his career in Washington. But like you said, Parker, he went to Tennessee and, and had some decent years too. So I think that, uh, um, you know, whether you want to look at outside linebacker or in a 4-3 defense, then I think Rackbone and Kerrigan is the easy selection for those two. And, you know, I know we're talking about how great the all-decade defense is, and I love that tandem of uh, Arakpo and Kerrigan, you know. and But, I mean, Kerrigan, not only as a player, but just as a person, really sticks out to me. You know, it, it, we were talking about Redskins camp last week, and one of the mem- many memories I'll have is that, you know, Kerrigan would always walk around, sign autographs, didn't matter where it was, even to the, you know, the section of fans that hadn't paid to get to that point. And, you know, every time I talked to him, he was a super nice guy. And, like you say, he's an absolute Iron Man. And speaking of Iron Man, uh, let's go to middle linebacker. Even though he's on the tail end of his career, I think we can all agree the all-decade defense middle linebacker should be Lennon Fletcher. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No one has come in here that's been better than Lennon Fletcher even at the end of his career. 
I mean, there's a couple names that have had, you know, little ones per years. And I definitely think trying to pick the other middle linebacker is definitely the hardest part. But I definitely think, you know, just his longevity in the NFL, man, he was in the middle of every play. I'll never forget that play against the uh, Detroit Lions where it was like, I think it was fourth and short. London Fletcher was basically covering Calvin Johnson one-on-one. Absolutely smacked him, man. You know, not the biggest guy in the world, but his football IQ was just out of this world. And I definitely think he's one of the best, if not the best Redskins player I've seen in my lifetime for sure. So I I, note on that really quick, dude. Did you guys see that uh, he and Thomas Davis went golfing this I was just about to say that. You said not the biggest guy in the world. He looked like a midget compared to Thomas Davis. He's (laughs) tiny. I did not see that. He spoke to us at our our rookie symposium. Uh, We did like a little event with the Ravens rookies. Uh, We went to Topgolf, and he came and spoke with us. And I like – I mean, obviously, I'd only seen him on TV up to that point, and I was like blown away at how small he was. I mean, the fact that he had such an amazing career at like – Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers joke like five eight playing middle linebacker was insane dude he would just stick people man i, I think the the bigger conversation here is who is the second middle linebacker you would definitely on this list uh chris we'll start with you who's your second middle linebacker i'm going with zach brown i've always loved zach brown <sighs> um, <laughs> sorry um <laughs> i i know we had thrown out names like uh perry riley who i was also a really big fan of and um Mason Foster, who I wasn't as much of a fan of, but I will put some respect on his name. He wasn't a fan of you either. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm fine with that. I don't care. Um, But, yeah, I think uh, Zach Brown, even with his, you know, uh, (laughs) I feel like we've said this a a few times now, with his poor departure out of Washington, um, (laughs) I I think uh, his time here was really great. And I feel like I've said this a million times, too. I love that flex uh, linebacker who can, you know, cover the tight ends and also come up and, and you know, put a nose on the football in, you know, in the middle of the D-line on the run. And I feel like Zach Brown was really the first true, you know, flex linebacker for the Redskins that we had seen. And I just thought he was phenomenal. I mean, the, the way he could get out to the sideline on, on, a, on the outside run, you know, get back in coverage, come up and stick the run. I just thought he was just a really phenomenal player. And I'm really sorry that we didn't get to sign him to a multi-year deal. But, yeah, I think I think he was by far the best linebacker we've had since um, London Fletcher. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell a little uh, – I think those are the three guys I went with, and I think I'd probably pick Zach Brown too. I'll tell a little Zach Brown story, and I don't know if this is true or not. Um, so I spent my first two years of college at, at North Carolina where Zach went, um, and we used to have – when it would thunderstorm, we would practice in the indoor track facility. We'd roll out indoor turf and, and practice in there. And I've, I don't know, 
I'm pretty sure he ran track. I can't confirm it. I know he's a really fast guy. Either he has the school record for the 60-meter dash in track, or there was somebody else named Zach Brown who was at the school, at, you know, the same time he was in that, that broke the record. So, you know, when you talk about his ability to go sideline to sideline, I'm – I'd say 85% sure he is the fastest person in the University of North Carolina's history in 60-yard dash. Lord. His speed is just amazing, man. I yeah, mean, I think he ran play. a 4-4 at the combine. So Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys watched him in Buffalo, man, but he was in the middle of everything. I mean, he was one of those versatile middle linebackers that could just get in the middle of every coverage and just he, – he was just a disruptor, man. And when the Redskins picked him up, it was a very, you know – low risk high reward kind of signing you know i remember being at training camp watching him and not a lot of people were talking about it, but there was definitely some buzzing that he could come in and just be an instant contributor and you know beginning of that first season he was there man that defense was elite and you know he was at the center of it so i think he's a guy that you know probably one of the only people i've seen london fletcher type of qualities out of in regards to the linebacker position this decade for sure so i i think another position that we have to kind of think is it consistency or star power is corner that's a that's a position that i had a lot of hard time hard time trying to find you know i mean outside of d hall i mean finding anybody past those past d'angelo hall is really hard i, I mean d'angelo hall was definitely the most consistent cornerback for the redskins in the 2010s for sure i know they moved him to safety at one point but i mean he made a lot of plays at corner what were some other names you guys thought should make the list yeah, I think that cornerback is kind of like the inside linebacker with there being two positions, one of them being kind of locked up with D. Hall and Fletcher. Um, you know, the funny thing with me is when I think of D'Angelo Hall, I think of him getting his ankles broken. I think actually his Achilles torn by DeAndre Hopkins on hard knocks. <laughs> That's like my, my last impression of him, he which is terrible. So much <laughs> but, um, I mean, I might get some crap for this, but I got to go with Josh Norman. I think his last year was obviously very, very bad, um, and the years before that weren't great. I think um, I'm putting into this on top of play on the field. You know, there hasn't been a lot of great play on the field from anybody at cornerback for the Redskins in a while, but I think as an ambassador for the, the organization, I think you know what little relevance we had nationally for a while there like in between rg3 and now was josh norman with the dancing with the stars with the the video of him jumping over the bull at the running with, the bulls. with odell i mean yep. making headlines yeah so he i mean he made the team relevant when they were really bad and um you know his his first two or three years were you know, he got burnt a lot, but he was making plays. And then, obviously, his last year before he got cut was, you know, he was doing pretty much nothing. Um, you know, definitely getting burnt more than he was doing anything positive. But I think, uh, you know, he's he's a guy that I, I think deserves to be on this list. I think, you know, despite his play on the field, I don't think there's very many Redskins fans that have anything negative to say about him as a person. He's one of those guys that was always really – you know, courteous to the fans at training camp and uh, made a point to spend some extra time with them and was a good ambassador for the team. I mean, my, I uh, actually got a funny story about Josh Norman. Well, not funny, but just kind of shows what kind of person he is. You know, I, my mother works at a hospital now, but uh, she used to work at kind of an older person home and um, they ended up taking a bunch of them. I don't know if they got a grant or they ended up making a trip the Redskins training camp a couple seasons ago, man. And, you know, you meet – if you're just a normal person, you meet Josh at where all the fans normally meet him at training camp. You know, he's got his helmet on, visor on, not taking pictures, signing as much stuff as he can. They got a lot of people saying, you know, back up, back up, or he's going to stop signing. You know, people acting like animals around him. 
but when you get that one-on-one interaction with him, you know, he, he's a phenomenal person. You know, he, when my mother went there with all those older people, I mean, he was taking pictures with them and, you know, making phone calls and he's just, he's just a really good dude off the field. You know, I, I feel like he caught a lot of flack in his last couple of seasons and in and, and the last season, he really didn't care. But like you said, that I don't think it's a controversial choice at all. I think he was one of the most consistent corners other than D'Angelo Hall. And, you know, like you said, he arrived to a lot of fanfare. But, you know, like a lot of things in D.C., like we've been talking about up to this point, I mean, it, it just turned sour. But I don't think that derives from his overall tenure here. Chris, do you think Dan, do you think that Josh Norman deserves to be on the list? Uh, absolutely, man. I think, um, you know, besides all the things you guys said about, you know, the uh, energy and the, um, you know, publicity he brought to the D.C. area and just the interaction with fans. I mean, based off your story, Parker, I was actually at the game at FedEx believe it was new year's day of 2017 when uh we lost to the giants in a game that could have sent us to the playoffs uh kirk cousins had the interception right at the end of the, end of the game shocker <laughs> I, I figured you guys sorry garrett that. Um, uh but norman i mean we just got knocked out the playoffs that was the last game of the season and norman walked the entire way around fedex and gave everyone a high five just went down and was high-fiving everyone and like no one else did that i just thought that was crazy because you know you know, for a guy that came in here, even though he's getting paid, like, you know, a ridiculous amount of money, I, he just never came off to me as the type of guy that would, like, want to do that for the fans, you know, want to be there for the fans. And he, he always did at, at training camp. You know, he was always out there. After the games, he was always out there. So by far, um, you know, with the pub- publicity and the fan support perspective, by far he's been on the list. But I think even though, like, this is where stats get you in trouble, like, he didn't register that many interceptions or even like turnovers in his time as a Redskin, but I always feel like whenever we needed a big play, he was there. I remember him, you know, making diving interceptions, punching balls out of the goal line, you know, last, you know, like last drive, potential game winning drive. He's getting an interception. I, I just feel like that was always him. That's always where he stepped up at. And besides that, I mean, there were times you didn't even hear his name in, during the game because he got rid of an entire side of the field from the quarterback. And, I mean, I didn't have the coach's film where we could go back and watch what he was doing with that receiver. But I just feel like in his first two or three seasons in D.C., they just never threw his way. So, I think for that fact, he should definitely be on the list. I do want to also talk about D'Angelo Hall. And, Garrett, I'm a little upset that uh, your memory of D'Angelo Hall is him getting burned by DeAndre Hopkins. Because <laughs> D. Hall being a former Hokie, I, uh, first thing that comes to my head, three words, Jay Cutler, baby. Oh, my God. That's all I think about is him snagging four interceptions against Smoking Jay. Take it, I think he took, what, one or two to the house that game? I don't know. I've gone back and watched that game before, and I absolutely love it. Uh, D. Hall definitely probably should have quit while he was ahead. He might have should have retired that game. But <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think of D'Angelo Hall. And I think he should be on the list, too. I think D'Angelo Hall is kind of – Sour in some skins fans' eyes right now for some of the comments he made on Dwayne. He's kind of turned the ship on it, but overall, as I, a player, I think as a player, yeah, exactly. As a player, I mean, D'Angelo Hall always kept it real, man, and, and to an extent, Josh Norman did as well, man. So, I think those are two solid names to put a CB1 and CB2. So, who you guys got a slot corner? I think it's an easy selection. I think it's another hokey. I think, I think Chris knows who I'm talking about, Kendall, Kendall yeah. Fuller, yeah, yeah Kendall I, Fuller I, by far. I, yeah, I don't think there's I, any I mean, question in this either. Yeah, I mean, his his career for Washington isn't even done either. And I think in that one season alone, I mean, he was incredible in the slot, man. I mean, it's apparently it runs in the family. Um, Garrett, who'd you have a slot? You have Kendall as well? 
I didn't know we were doing slot corners, so <laughs> I had nobody, but I think Kendall Fuller is a great choice there. Um, I think if you want to go with a third corner, uh, not necessarily a slot corner, but just kind of throw a third name out there, I think you could also consider um, Quentin Dunbar, uh, Brashad Breeland, maybe. I think those are probably your three. David Amerson, kind of damn it. <laughs> oh, I forgot about him. NC yeah. State guy. I loved him in college, man. I, I He's a guy that I thought we kind of you know, let go of early, but, you know, it's been kind of a revolving door at corner. But my bad for kind of throwing the slot corner thing in there. I just feel like Kendall Fuller deserved more of an honorable mention here. Yeah, definitely, especially with him being back on the team. Let's hope he can continue to play like that. I definitely think he'll be on the 2020s All-Decade team. Hopefully we'll be around to make that episode. Um, so let's get to safety, guys. Uh, this one's also a little bit controversial. I you know, I, I didn't really find anybody at free safety other than people who just had a lot of consistency rather than playmaking ability. I think a strong safety, it's it's easy for me at least when it comes to impact. I'm a huge DJ Swearinger guy. Anybody knows that who met me. You know, I know I, I know like Garrett said, he's very loud and he kind of burned a lot of bridges with the way he left DC. But in my opinion, DJ Swearinger's just football IQ, his playmaking ability, and just the overall energy he brought to the Redskins defense in that just 2018 season alone was just fantastic. And that was enough for him to make a legacy in my mind. You know, a lot of people are going to get mad at me and, of course, bring up Landon Collins. He's only been here for one season. He only made the Pro Bowl because he led the league in tackles as a safety, not because he was a ball hawk by any means. Who do you guys have a strong safety? I, I completely agree with you. I think um, I didn't split my safeties up into free and strong because just like this is – this has probably been the worst position on the team consistently through for the past 10 years. Um, you know, I think my two guys I have here have played a, a total of less than three years of football for, for the Washington Redskins. Oh, so I have, crazy. I, I have DJ Swearinger. Um, and he was dude, before he got cut, he was playing at like a pro bowl level. Oh my God. It was, that was really, um, kind of really disheartening to see. Cause it seemed like something they could have been able to work out. Um, and he was playing He was playing really good. And that was when we had just signed um, HaHa Clinton Dix, too, who didn't really pan out. But Yeah, we had traded for him. I remember that. Yeah, it kind of looked like we had our safety set for a while. But uh, my second guy, it, even though he's only played one year, is Landon Collins. I think, um, you know, he had a very good year, ta- you know, making tackles, making plays in the run game. You know, wasn't wasn't really, you know, flashing anything uh, as, a, as a coverage guy. Not to say he can't do it. I just don't really think he had the opportunities. Um, but I think, you know, kind of in the same vein of Josh Norman, uh, he kind of made us relevant last year with all the, all the bad stuff. He was kind of a name that was, you know, productive and, and a name that people recognize and could kind of, you know, when you flip on a Redskins game and you're not a Redskins fan, you can say, you know, who do I know on this team? Oh, Landon Collins. Um, and, you know, he's a, a leader. You know, he's a kind of a captain of the team type guy. Um, you know, very vocal, very outspoken just a, a good face of the franchise on that defense. So I think those two guys are kind of no brainers. Um, you know, toyed with Leron Landry a little bit. Um, you got to. Yeah. Another guy that came up was uh Reed Doughty, but you know, when you kind of, you kind of decide whether you want to go with, you know, one or two really good years or, you know, a couple more just consistent years. And I kind of went with, you know, one or two really good years at the safety position, you know, when I hear DJ Swearinger, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit because, like I said, man, I, I was a huge fan of the signing. I followed him when he was in Arizona, followed him when he was in Houston, watched him when he played in South Carolina. He just had that that perfect attitude to be a safety, just a hard hitter. But, I mean, like you said, he was playing at a Pro Bowl level in 2018 for Alex Smith's injury. You know, that, that defense was getting everybody off the field, man. And, and you know, they were I think they were the flight marshals. And, like you said, we had traded for high Clinton Dix. And, 
it looked like we finally had our tandem, and I know you said something about us not really having consistency at the safety position. We had, like, a glimmer of it, and I was so happy because I was just like, man, we've done an awful job of addressing this position beforehand. And then everything ended the way it did with DJ. I think the biggest reason that hurt my feelings the most was because, I mean, in my in my opinion, you were practically choosing Greg Minuski, a guy who you knew was going to be out of the door, over DJ Swearinger, also over head coach Jay Gruden that you knew wasn't going to be here for another two seasons. So I – and also what DJ said, I mean, it really comes down to, you know, I mean, I know you're a former player, Garrett. It, it kind of comes down to how you feel about people being outspoken about certain things. But I mean, DJ definitely wasn't wrong. And there was a lot of glaring issues on that defense. But at the same time, you know, I guess they had to respect the image of the team. A, a story that I kind of want to tell, because honestly, I've only come close to stop being a Redskins fan once in my entire life. And that was when we released DJ. Um, had his jersey. Um, I think it was Christmas Eve we released him. I remember hearing his rate as an interview. I don't know if it was on 106.7 or not, him talking about the entire situation. But, man, I was just heartbroken, man. I'd met him. Like I said, he was my favorite player, man. I, I can't throw away his jersey. And, like I said, he was one of the most consistent people we'd had position other than, like you said, LeRon Landry. And, you know, like I said, that's the closest I've ever been to not being a Redskins fan anymore. And, man, you know, you had Alex Smith down. You know, we had released one of the vocal leaders of our team. It looked like we were going to have another decade of just mediocrity. And it's honestly crazy how things have turned around ever since then. So, um, Chris, wh who, who do you have on your list? I, need, I know we're talking about DJ Swearingelina Collins. What does your tandem look like? Yeah, I mean, y'all are hitting the nail on the head for sure. Uh, DJ Swearinger was by far the best safety that we've had in this decade. Minus Landon Collins, who I don't think you can really count as uh, this decade just because, you know, like you guys have said, he only played one year, and that one year wasn't really, you know, phenomenal. Um, I think we all know that Landon Collins is really going to pan out to be a great player for the Reds. Absolutely. Game, but just in the 2019 season, the one year he played in Washington um, for that decade, he just <clears> – that <throat> standing alone, he doesn't uh, – I don't think he is locking up a spot on this team. But uh, DJ for sure, man. I mean, I'll, you know, take everything y'all said and more. Just the energy he brought to the team. I mean, uh, I won't say we had the best secondary in the world, but that secondary had a different type of energy. They thought they were the best in, in the league just with DJ on that field, and you noticed when he left, when he was cut, that that all changed. And I think DJ was just, you know, uh, the glue that really kept that defense together. He was high-energy guy that just made it fun to watch that defense play. I mean, and if you really want to feel that again, go back and watch it. That, well, that defense felt different. Something that I always heard, and I, I want to ask Garrett about this year's insight since he was at camp, there was always a lot of rumors that DJ and um, Norman didn't get along very well. You know anything about that, Garrett? By any chance? So I don't. Uh, Josh didn't really get along with anybody, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I can't. I get. I mean, he he was cordial with everybody, but I don't think he had any really good friends on the team. Um, he was the guy, and I was there when he was doing Dancing with the Stars. So like, you know, during OTAs, he was flying back and forth from from Ashburn to LA to film Dancing with the Stars. So oh, he was on. <laughs> he would show up like five minutes before practice, practice, leave. Um, so, you know, my experience, I don't know if it was necessarily like they didn't get along. Uh, maybe Josh didn't like how vocal he was. Maybe Josh thought that he was, you know, should have been the guy taking that role. Um, there might, you know, maybe there might have been a little bit of friction with that, but I don't think that there was any like animosity or bad blood. Um, and I kind of want to touch, you know, I think in the couple of episodes we've had of this podcast, I've made several comments about DJ. Um, and, you know, the reason I didn't like him was because when you're in OTAs and you're in training camp, you're not a team yet. It's offense versus defense. And he was a pain in the ass to go against every day. <laughs> it's, and I he was always it. loud. And when he made a play, he would let you know. But when we scrimmaged the Jets was kind of when I, you know, it was like our 
the Redskins versus the Jets, and I was like, holy, like, I'm, I'm excited that this guy's on our team. When he was, you know, punking Terrell Pryor and, <laughs> and talking trash to them, it was like, okay, I, I can see how this is beneficial, how the defense rallies behind this and they get energy from it. Exactly. Um, and, you know, watching that 2018 season from sidelines, um, you know, you could kind of see that that he was bringing that energy to that defense when they were playing well. So, it, you know, I, I have nothing personal against DJ. He's an awesome guy. Um, he did a lot for that defense. You know, I think to be a DB, you have to have that type of attitude if you're going to be really good at it. Um, you know, it was just a pain in the ass to practice against him is really he's, what he's it is. The- so anything negative I say about him, it's just me being bitter that he just beat up on me for a couple months there. <laughs> he's definitely one of those guys you wanted on your side. I mean, one of the plays that pops in my head immediately with DJ, and before I move on, I'll, I'll just throw this in there. I think it was against Dallas. The game we ended up winning at home. He, uh, I think it was fourth and short. They were going for it early. Kind of just, they were flipping off the offense, essentially. And DJ just came through, stuck Zeke, forced a fumble. I, I mean, we were talking about people that you could rely on to force turnovers. And, and, like, one season alone, I feel like DJ equated better than pretty much any safety we had up to that point. I know a guy you mentioned earlier, Lon Landry, you know, I've never really had the platform to talk about this before, but what the hell happened to that guy? Have you guys noticed he's like completely non-existent on social media? And don't get me wrong, I understand that some people don't put everything on social media, but like people haven't heard from the guy. You know, the last time he was arrested was 2011. I think he went to the Jets, then the Colts, and but he just kind of fizzled off everything, man. He also apparently had a substance abuse problem as well. I mean, you can look at him; he looked like a Dragon Ball Z character. But man, when when he was playing in 07 with Sean Taylor, man, he was pretty much the hardest hitter in the league. He was like just decapitating people in open field. He was trying to get his biceps right, man. They're good. Yeah, I think hey man, he looked like he was juicing for sure when he was playing for the Redskins. Um you know, he might be one of those guys that just you know, social media can be a negative thing for a lot of people and I've I know you guys have seen me kind of teeter back and forth with it and take a couple days off here and there. He might just be one of those guys that just, you know, it doesn't it does him no good to be on there and to see all the stuff and to to hear the criticism and things like that. So, you know, he might just be just a guy who doesn't really use it and he's just living his life and, and doing his thing on his own. But yeah, it is weird. You don't, you don't hear a lot about him because he was a, a pretty big name in the league for a while there. Man, I love Dirty 30, man. I had his jersey and everything. I was a huge LeBron Landry fan. I know he was just just a fiend at LSU too. But um, I, I think we're going to spare the special teams players. I mean, we already know who the punter is, kicker. I don't think we should get into any of that. I think, I think the specialists are the three specialists that are on the team now. And I, I think all of them have been on the team for the majority of the decade. There's not really any, any competition for them, is there? No, absolutely not. I can't think of any. I mean, there's no punter better in the league than Tressway. I mean, kicker. I mean, Hopkins has had kind of a rough tenure, but, I mean, he's earned his keep. You know, Sunberg is basically the, the well, person for the Redskins at this point. What about Andrew East that came in and, and played when, when Sudberg got hurt last year? Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> see, see, that, was, that should have been a whole other episode right there. Andrew East episode? Yeah, yeah. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> um. But I, I think our, I think our all decade defense is pretty solid. So, hey, hey guys, I, I want to interrupt real quick. Uh, I know we didn't plan for this, but I think it'd be kind of curious to talk about who do you think your uh, all decade head coach, OC, and DC would be? Oh, Ooh. geez, that's a good question. I like it. I like it. Um, uh, Shanahan. Yeah, agreed. I, you gotta go Shanahan as as head coach. Okay, OC. Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Oh well, well. I think well. McVay. I think McVay. Yeah, McVay, McVay. You win. You win. Okay, so that's that's, that's pretty solid lineup so far. Tough. 
Huh? The, our all-decade coaches are pretty insane, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, all-decade coaches somewhere else. Yeah, as bad as our all-decade all players have been, and like looking at the list kind of makes you cringe. If you look at our all-decade coaches, it's kind of like, wow, we should have probably kept lineup. these guys. <laughs> hey, it definitely drops off that uh, defensive coordinator, though, because there's not many to pick from. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and just say Del Rio hasn't hasn't coached in the decade, but screw <laughs> it. No, Greg Williams? <laughs> You're not yeah, Greg, yeah Greg, Williams, Greg Williams is a good one. Did I mean, Greg he's got came decade? into. Would you say? When was Greg Williams? Was he this decade or was he late 2000? He, he was early 2010s. Okay. Um, he actually got in a lot of trouble, and I mean, I think Greg Williams still has a place in this league. I mean, he's pretty much like the dirty heel of you know the NFL. But I mean, he came in as interim head coach for the Browns after um Hugh Jackson got fired and absolutely turned the ship over there. I mean, I, I don't know. I've always had kind of a soft, soft spot for Greg Williams. Kind of want him to get another chance. But I, I definitely agree when you say the defensive coordinator is definitely really slim. Yeah, definitely. I think, uh, like, you look at OC, we had Shanahan, McVay, and KOC. I mean, we're, we're like, the factory for all offensive Dude, coordinators. it's Shanahan and – I mean, I'm sorry, uh, McVay and uh, – oh, no, yeah, McVay and Kyle, you know, they both – <laughs> They've both been to Super Bowls, man, and yeah, we're and just <laughs> I mean, KOC is about to team up with uh McVay, and they might not even fair, back. not even fair. Yeah, so we're that... we're the factory for offensive coordinators, not so much for anything else. We're like and the... they, they got Wes Phillips, my tight end coach in LA too. They need oh to sign Jay Reed. Oh my God, we're like the good luck Chuck of like coordinators. We're like that. <laughs> we're like that guy. We're like that guy you sleep with before you meet the guy you marry. It's, <laughs> dude, I just I don't get it, man. It's so discouraging. And when I saw KOC walk, it made it even worse. I was like, man, this is not gonna stop anytime soon. <laughs> and good luck, Chuck's a solid movie, Garrett. I know that one didn't land well with you, but that, that's a phenomenal flick. If I that, that, that's uh, Jessica Alba, right? Oh yeah, Jessica Alba. <sighs> I can't remember anyway. who the guy is in it, but Dane Cook. Oh what? God. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we ask for him every week. Uh, we got one this week. Uh, Garrett's leading by a lot, unfortunately, for Chris in the Redskins roulette trivia. So we only got one question this week. You guys ready? Oh, God. One question. <laughs> Is Garrett ready? I am as ready as I'll ever be. I just okay. kind of guess. I mean, you've got like a Warriors Cavs kind of lead right now. So don't blow it. Um, so. Who was the last Redskins player to win Super Bowl MVP? Um, A, Doug Williams, B, John Riggins, C, Mark Rippon, or D, none of the above? Uh, Garrett, since you have home field advantage, um, <laughs> we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go Doug Williams. Okay. Chris? I don't think I'm going to get the win this week because I'm going to go Doug Williams too. Oh. oh, man. What do I do if you're both wrong? Does nobody get a point? Nobody gets a point. Mark Rippin, man. Mark Rippin. Mark Rippin. Yeah, I know. Uh, I by the way, it. to get off topic here, did you guys see they're making a Doug Williams movie? That's why I thought you guys were going to pick Doug. That's why I thought this was a great question. So you're trying to trick us. Who's going ca- who's, who's to be Doug Williams? I'm going to vote for Denzel. That'd be a good one. Well, they might have to do multiple actors. Oh, yeah, true. It depends on how far they span it. I also don't know who's directing it. Also, really, it's also very important who's going to be distributing the movie as well, kind of with the budget. I think that's kind of a detail. Yeah, it's like a feature-length film. It's not like a 30 for 30. It's like a real movie. Wow. I, I, th- I thought it was like the uh, like a 30 for 30 or something like that. I Which, I mean, it was a real movie. I, I mean, I think that 
I think it was kind of pushed under the rug back then because that's how things were when he was playing. But I think he got a lot of criticism just for being a black quarterback. I think he was the first really, black quarterback to ever win Super Bowl, actually. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of his story told in a you know feature-length film. Anyway, let's get back to the game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's Mark Rippon. Um, I, I honestly would have guessed Doug Williams as well, so that's why I thought it was a good question. But I'm definitely – I'm excited for that movie to come out, and you know, maybe we can all catch and do another review. I know me and Chris did kind of a review for the uh, Alex Smith uh, Project 11, and I got a lot of fanfare. So we can probably do the same thing with Doug Williams' movie as well. But uh, I think that'll be it for this week's episode of Redskins Brawl. Um, if you guys have time, make sure you leave us a rating review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, or wherever podcasts can be found. Make sure you head over to BrawlNetwork.com and check out our guy, now part of the Brawl Network, Dave's latest article about Dwayne Haskins and what you can expect from him in 2020. Um Cool to see Dave get some love from our guys over at uh, NBC Washington as well. Um, also, while you're on BrawlNetwork.com, grab our Forever Young t-shirt, tank top, available in black, gray, and burgundy, also available in all sizes. Um, I think I speak all of us uh, saying thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Go outside, swim. Um, just light it up. So, This has been Redskins Brawl, brought to you by the Brawl Network. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.